This episode is brought to you by Eufy Video Lock. Eufy is a smart lock with 2K cam and doorbell that's a three-in-one triple security, so you can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but it's also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated camera. It's easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver. It's got keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys when your hands are full. It also has a rechargeable battery that could last around four months, and you'll get low battery notifications before it runs out. Passcode unlocking with a remote control with 2K clear sight to see who's at your front door and control from anywhere through the app. And with enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. No monthly fee, unlike other brands that will charge monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. This is the future. This is everything I love about what's happening with doors. In my opinion, this is an absolute no-brainer. I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute no-brainer. We installed them in the house, and it makes, especially when you have a family, it makes life so easy, so secure, so safe, and once again, so easy. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. This week's guest, Bill Burr, every Sunday night, Travel Channel, Trip Flip, 8 p.m. Please rate, review this on iTunes as we are back on iTunes. I'm on tour, Des Moines, Philly, Buffalo. Please go to BillBurr.com. Is the bird cast? All right. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. The uh. You little cow lick you got here, buddy. Oh my god, dude, her tongue weighs like thirty pounds. She's got a big ass fucking tongue. She um. She will literally. She thinks she's a fucking human, so she will sit on your lap. She will get she, right up in she, your face. She thinks, she... <laughs> she thinks she's a human. Pris Pot. Okay, go on. Pris, come here. Go on. Go on. Come here. Come here. She's like, I like this guy. Look, this is exactly how she'll sit. I'm cool. Let's do it. She'll sit. <laughs> you got you to gotta get this picture for the podcast. Look at, look at Priscilla. Oh, my God, dude. This thing is a house. Here. God, she looks. Oh, she looks so fucking big on your lap. <laughs> she. Uh, I want to do one of those fucking bus tours. You got You got to send. You got to send me the. Uh, I will. The picture. You're all, you're all right with the door being open? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get her out of here. She literally will do this the entire time. I honestly don't care. Are you serious? I love dogs. Yeah, let me shut the door. How hard was it getting your? Uh, uh, are we going? By the way, yeah, yeah, we're recording. Oh, yeah. we are. The uh, I gotta sit on the other side. I can't fucking see you with Pris's big fucking head. This dog is fucking awesome. Yeah, she's a fucking beast. She really is. She's. It's weird too because I just took the girls up to Rogan's house the other day, uh-huh. and I had to t- I had to warn them because they're they're very like aggressive with Pris. Like they'll fucking like jump on her, get in her face, roll her on her back. Like it's one of the things they told us with an aggressive, with a big dog like this that mm-hmm. they you got to establish dominance all the time. And I told oh. him, I go, listen, when we go to Joe's house, like Joe's house, Joe's dogs are different than ours dogs. What kind and of dogs does Joe have? 
Joe's got the f- a fucking Pitbull Bull Mastiff mix. All right, buddy. You got you right, got to jump down at this Chris, point. Come here. I'm literally come having here. problems breathing here. 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 But like uh so sh- so uh and his dogs are like, you know, he was he had them as a single dude. So he he they're like fucking real dogs. So I tell George and Isla we're in the car we're pulling up and I go, "Listen now. Remember the rule. If you see Joe's dogs, it's not like Priscilla. You can't just get up in their face and like and kind of fuck with them. Yeah, that's my, not good. My youngest daughter literally goes, oh, classic, and gets out of the car and runs up to his house. I'm like, no, not classic. Like, it's, you got to be fucking careful oh, around yeah, them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus Classic. Christ. Yeah, you don't want to be doing any, you know, any dog will do some damage to you, especially a big one like that. Yeah. This one of the most a- obvious statements ever made. <laughs> I'll tell you, but when it comes to those pit bulls, I don't know if you guys have read up on it. Come here, Pris. She, um... How long did you do that? I want to do a fucking bus tour so bad. Dude, it was the shit. It cost a ton of fucking money. I don't know if, if I made anything, but uh, you should do it one time. Just for the hell of it. Go out with a couple of your buddies. Go to some games. We, uh, this, is, this is how it started off. We, we went to... Uh, what did we go into? The NCAA final game. Oh, really? Michigan versus uh, uh, Louisville. That, that's how we started it off. And then we went Athens, Georgia, Hoover, Alabama, Charleston, South Carolina. Went back to Atlanta for two shows at the Tabernacle. Then we did two at the Tampa Improv, one at uh, Florida State University, your alma mater. Yeah. And then we ended at the Jackie Gleason uh, Fillmore in Miami. So wait, well, how do you decide what, what cities you do theaters in and what cities you do clubs in? Um, it. <laughs> what's the... What is your she's, dog doing? What's the matter? You want attention? Trying, she's trying to fucking get you to fuck her. Let me see. Let me see. I want to see. We see. If we can get the sound. What? What? Nothing. I feel like all. Oh, what? What is it, Pris? You look Literally. like you want to say something and you just can't fucking get it out. Pris. Um, just well, mo- Monday I was in Tampa and it was just like, all right, we'll do two at the Improv and then. You know, just kind of mix it up, no mix press. and match. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't put it together. Oh no, yeah, press. You do like the radio tours, like yeah. You know, living on the West Coast, it's like, all right, you're gonna be talking to uh, the Tampa Morning Show at you know four a.m. your time, and um, you know, I, I, I work the, I work it out with, you know, I just I'm, I'm confused. I'm at the point now where it's like, it's like I would, I would love to do one nighters instead of like doing a whole weekend places, just because. You can make good money and you're not gone for the whole fucking weekend. That's the fucking exhaustion. Yeah, what? But th- th- then, what, then what ends up happening? If I could just get through this. Then what ends up happening? <laughs> Briss, I am fucking kicking you out. No, of no, I love room. it. I, come on. No, she's going to drive me nuts. Come here. Oh, Chris. she is? No. Oh. Come on. All right. We'll see you, buddy. Come on. Now we're going to see how much this dog likes me. It's, it's, it's not into the ball. It's hanging with me. This dog loves me. Come on, Briss. Come on. Ah, there it goes. <laughs> That's so fucking mean Oh look at her face I thought we were gonna play What happened She uh, um, She is fucking I told you man She's fucking on thin ice in this house right now My wife got these new shoes Warm last night They look so fucking good And Pris chewed up the heel Oh Jesus Yeah she chewed Dude, them up Dude a dog eating a woman's shoes Is like eating a man's TV yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the level that they like it. I got to sit in this chair over here. I don't know why, but I just feel like I want to be sitting like this talking to you. The, um, so I don't have to fucking crick my neck here. Um, 
was I going to say? Am I the only guy who doesn't own kettlebells? The yeah. fuck? <laughs> Everybody I know does them, and they, they look good, and then they, then they fuck up their shoulder or their elbow. I fucked up my back bad. Yeah. I was rolling, riding roller coasters at the time, too. And uh, I was doing kettlebells, and I fucking threw my back out. And then I got on a roller coaster the next day. I had to ride one like 13 times for a show. Oh, fucked no. Fucked my back up. And I was literally... And it's been fucked up for two years. Three years now. My back is still messed up. All up you know what the neck. most amazing part of that story is? Is that you knew about kettlebells three years ago. Like To <laughs> me, those are like brand new. That's like... Uh, oh, seriously? How long, you, how long have you known Rogan? He's been talking about preaching kettlebells for as long as I've known him. I've known him for two years. You know, we never get years. around to working out. Talk, we never talk about working out. I don't even know. I don't even know what we talk about. But all I know is, in two seconds, like four hours has gone by. I've yeah. had the greatest time ever, and we both just laugh, going, "We got to do it again. We got to do it again." Yeah. Um. I, I I I don't I don't have any idea. I did someone's podcast. You know who Zane Lamprey is? Who Zane Lamprey? Zane Lamprey. I don't think I know he him. He did a show on HD on Mojo called uh, Three Sheets a long time ago, back when HDTVs just came out. Mm-hmm. So I did his podcast, and we were talking, and he was like looking at his watch. I go, what the fuck are you looking at your watch for? And he goes, well, we're around an hour. I'm like, dude, I've done, hour, I've done podcasts that are five hours long. I did a podcast with Rogan that was five hours long. Like we did a, a three-hour podcast, then stopped, started a brand new three-hour podcast, and did two hours into that one. That's insane. Oh, it's just getting so fucking wasted. We were bullets. Oh, well, they, you guys, yeah, you were getting fucked up while talking into a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know something? Like, I was to- who the hell was I talking to the other day? Like, it's so great to meet a guy, like, over the age of 35 that'll still party. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I always say, you know what the worst thing? Like, when I, when I ran, to- I was doing Jay Moore's podcast, and I was just like, I was saying, like, God, I would have loved to have drank with you. I just, it's almost like seeing like a great athlete and then like retired. Like, ah, oh, can you imagine yeah. if we were on the same team? Yeah, you know? I, <laughs> I, I have never running the never, floor. <laughs> I would, I would have liked to have drank. Like, I always thought that like uh, Norton would have been an interesting person to drink with. Like, I used to, I used, we used to play a game. I know. You don't think so? No, no, no. I said I know. Yeah, like Norton. Bobby Kelly. I don't know. Bobby Kelly, I think, all of a sudden, he'd be like, what the fuck, dude? He'd fucking slam a glass in the side of your head. I'm always shocked that Dane never drank. Like, that always shocked me. You know what? He never drank, so I can't even picture a drink in his hand. That reminds me of of Patrice, the late great Patrice, rest his soul. I remember one time I saw him him drink, drink a Guinness. We went into a bar, and he's just like, you know, I want to try one of those Guinnesses. Yeah. So they gave McGinnis, and I swear to God, he just took the thing. It was like Norm on Cheers, <laughs> except he was swallowing. He yeah. didn't just open, you know, just pour it in. He fucking just went, he just was like three, four swallows. Kind of went like that. Then he looked at me and just shook his head like, nah. We were, and that was it. And he, he, that guy never, never drank. I actually get more nervous with the people who never drank, and then all of a sudden they're drinking. Like in this business, like you'll see yeah. somebody who who never just like Tommy Jonigan. Do you know who that is? I know who he is. I, I don't Tommy know. Tommy Jonigan never drank his entire life. Right. It, like literally, prodigy. One of the funniest fucking kids I've ever worked with in my life. Like worked with him, mm-hmm. and I partied, and he was like, "No, it's not for me." And right. then I run into him in uh, Cincinnati at this brouhaha thing, and he's like, he's like. 
And he's like, let's get fucking wasted. And I'm like, oh, shit, the wheels have come off. Yeah. This, and it was one of those nights where it's like, you know, he's doing all the shit you did when you were 17. Yeah, he has to learn all those lessons. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're watching that curve happen of like, oh, you're not allowed to take your shirt off and stand on the bar. I learned that in college. Yeah. Yep. And then also you start, even though you're hammered, you start recognizing peaceful people's looks on their faces to be like, oh, this yeah. is when I should shut up. <laughs> See, I used to keep talking. And then I had way more shit to apologize for the next day. But Patrice and I were in um, Scotland for uh, back when. Uh, Dude, I still can't believe he's he's gone. I, I'll never be able to fucking accept that. I I I was I got really uh, I got really emotional the day he died. The day he actually died. The day he passed. Right. Because I, I, you know, I knew what was going on, but I kind of secretly thought somehow it would just change it. He was going to be all right. Yeah, yeah and. Um, we were going to buy uh, dog food for Priscilla. We were at fucking Rusty's up there, the the pet place. And Frosty called me and told me, and I was like, fucking. And I just really kind of started to realize how next level his writing was. I think you were, you and I were in that same, like, you were older than me, but you were in that same class of realization of like, oh, shit, the way he was, was writing was really fucking ahead oh, no, of dude, time. No, I, I knew that. I knew that from, like, I knew that in the early 90s. I started with him. So I knew that that guy, like, look, I started with I started with Dane, Bobby Kelly, Patrice O'Neill. That was kind of the guys I, I started with. And I knew Dane was like, Dane never got his due. Never yeah. got his due. I think you might have caught the tail end before before he blew up. And, dude, I, I saw that guy, like, three years in. He had guys who were headlining for 15 years bitching to the club owner when he would middle form going, like, you got to tell that kid to tone it down. I and, saw and, that. And he, I... he, he was like 1920 and had the fucking like balls to be like, fuck that headliner. You tell him he needs to turn it up. Yeah. You're headlining. You know, if he doesn't want to do it, I'll fucking close the show. This is like a fucking 1920 year old kid. I saw the tail end of that. Uh, I saw the part where he wasn't famous. Everyone was like, why isn't he famous? He's so fucking funny. And he was doing bar spots. This is back when like people were like, you want me to do a bar? And people, right. he was doing bar spots. Oh, and he, on, on the Sunset yeah. Strip. Yeah, what was that, what was that called? Uh, the Irish place. Highlanders or? No, it wasn't Highlanders. It was probably one of his bit. One of his bits. <laughs> <laughs> you see that bit about his dad banging his mom and turned there can only be one Highlander? I always loved that joke. Uh, he, uh, what um, the fuck was that called? Donovan, Dub- Dublin, Dublin's, Dublin's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was murdering that room, and that made murdering in a bar possible. Like, uh, he was the first guy that I saw. Because in New York, I always felt like, uh, in New York, when I started, I felt like anyone could bomb at any time. He was the first person I saw that I was like, oh shit, he'll never bomb. Unbombable. He did not bomb. <laughs> and I remember watching him. And he did not not fucking level the room. Right. Like leveled the fucking room. Like uh. Closed every showcase I was ever a part of. I never saw him not close a showcase. Yeah. And he walked. He'd walk on stage with this, like, like this. I know, like, like I know how this is going to go. Just like you know how this is going to go. It's yeah. going to be pretty fucking amazing. And I remember seeing that confidence on when he'd own a stage. He, you're right. He never got his due because he got, he blew up so big that there was only there was only room for backlash. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. It, uh, Boggles my mind why that happened, but uh, like I, I never felt like he could. So, anyways, I started out with him, and he. When I saw him, I was like, "This guy's." It was the early nineties. I'm like, "He's gonna be famous by 1996." You're talking about like the heyday of, sh- of like you know, 
the end of the heyday of like sitcoms and MTV was still yeah. playing videos and they and it was before TRL, but it was like and he was just in that that wheelhouse. He had that whole generation. And Patrice was someone that I looked at and was like, um, I mean, everyone was going like, dude, like, because we just kept thinking you do stand up, and then you get a sitcom, like, and all these older guys, like, you know, would would just like how brilliant Patrice was, and like he was working pretty much clean in the beginning, he yeah. had a lot of clever stuff, and um, they were like, there's no way you're not, gonna, you even have the name Patrice live, you know, yeah. ABC at eight o'clock or whatever, and um. But I always knew, like, because he was wherever he was at as a comedian. But I used to give him a ride home. My old fucking 83 Ford Ranger was hilarious. Me, skinny me, and big. That looked like a bad cop show. And I'd fucking drive him into the hood. And, you know, you know him, how much he would talk, right? Oh. We would sit there in front of his fucking house. I still had a day job. We'd sit there until, like, you know, I'd pull up around 11, 11 30. And there was times I didn't leave till like, 2.30 in the morning. Just talking about fucking comedy, talking about life, talking about race, just talking about f- everything, everything. And th- there were nights when we would do that for a couple hours, and I'd go home, he'd call me up, and he would literally <laughs> talk to you to the point you had to switch ears because one ear would start be like all hot from the phone <laughs> being up to it. And uh, yeah, but he, he was somebody like, you know, that guy was literally the, I, I feel like, the gap that there is between like the funniest, like the a professional comedian and the, and the funniest guy at the office, the gap that is between that. I thought Patrice had that same gap between him and the funniest guys, um, who are doing stand up. Obviously, myself included. And and it's one of those things where you can watch his specials and you can listen to his recordings and stuff, and you you're only just literally scratching. Like just like he was, you're scratching the. So you, he was a fucking experience. You just had to be. He was amazing. Hang on. Were, like, were you there that night when he took on that transvestite outside the cell? I've told this story so no. many fucking times. He was holding court in front of the cellar like he always did. Sometimes till four in the morning. Were you there that night? The lady poured the water on us. No. We were out there so long and laughing for so this trashing each other. Dude, I came up with some of the funniest fucking guys ever, and we never wrote anything. We never shot anything. We just sat around trashing each other. It was before being a comic was uh was a uh, a business paradigm where you're like, yeah. "Well, I I'm gonna, I need to uh I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to like nowadays it's like and I say this And Dane I, Dane was ahead of the curve on that with the super finger and all that shit. Now everybody's doing now everybody's yeah. like in their own way is coming up with their own sort of like Nowadays you would never get that group to hang out because someone be, would be uh podcasting it or vining it. Like it was just a it was just funny guys all they cared about was like, work, flexing that muscle and learning how to get funnier. Well, yeah, but but the thing, it wasn't like we were better than this new way. That if that, that option existed, we all would have been staring at our fucking smartphones yeah. instead of looking at each other's shirts and this is, sizes I would say this is head. literally, the, the time you're talking about is right at the curve when cell phones showed up. Like, and we're, yeah. the Nokia was I remember the getting one. shit because I was still using the pay phone at the cellar. <laughs> Keith Robinson, look at Billy. He doesn't got a goddamn phone yet. <laughs> the, uh, he's still like, take some of your feature money, stupid. And he would yell it across the uh, the cellar and all that. But yeah, so anyway, yeah, one time there was this transvest, and he, Patrice was holding court in front of the cellar, and I believe he was kicked out of the cellar at that point. But 
they couldn't stop him from hanging out there because upstairs yeah. was a restaurant. It was like this technicality. And I think they also knew that if Patrice hung out at the Boston Comedy Club, we all would have just done our sets and gone over to the Boston because you just you yeah. had to be around him. So he's sitting there and he's trashing everybody. And all of a sudden this transvestite came down the street. And I don't know what the fuck he said to her. But she just stopped in her tracks and she was all about it. And she got right in his grill. He was sitting down, of course, as always. And she was standing up, uh, he, she, whatever the fuck you say, and they just started going at it. And I remember one of the first ones she hit him with, and she wasn't scared at all. She hit him with like what he told us was an old street joke, but she said that he had so many spaces between his teeth it looked like his tongue was in jail. And we all were like, wow, we all died laughing, right? And Patrice goes, that's a stock line. And he sized her up in two seconds, was like, all right, so this girl, she knows a bunch of fucking street jokes so what he did was he threw like a, a light one an easy one and then then he just like ali laid back on the ropes let her get like her next three fucking i memorize i bought a snaps book yeah and then he just started in on her and fucking just totally turned because i was like oh my god patrice is gonna lose to a fucking transvestite this is great. <laughs> you know and then all of a sudden he he turned it around and i'm telling you they just went blow for blow and like i'm telling you some of the funniest comics in new york at that country, at, 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 at that point, was some of the funniest ones in the country, I yeah. feel. And we became audience members. And we shut up. A comedian. We all shut up and sat there and just watched them volley back and forth. And Patrice finally, you know, started turning the tide. So she started walking away. was still running her mouth. She never quit, but she left. And I remember Jeff Ross looked at me and just shook his head after it and said, that's the most unbelievable fucking thing I've ever seen. And I was just like... It was one of those things you saw it, and as a performer, you wish you did it. Yeah. The same way you saw Eddie Van Halen. You'd listen to him play guitar, and you'd be driving in your car, fantasizing that you were doing it. Like, or No, 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 no. Uh, the equivalent to any, especially any comic listening to this right now, is you in Philly. Oh, that's it. That's one of those moments where I saw it, and I went, oh, I wish that had been me. I would have never been able and to that's do one that. Of, that's one of the, and that's how performers look at that shit, and that's one of the highest compliments. So I, I, I really, uh, I really I, appreciate I, that. I'm telling you, I, I literally... Well, if you wa- if you watch that that I that, you say, that if you thing, want, just go perform no, in Philly. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, just just go out. Yeah, show show any sort of weakness in the yeah. uh, f- any anywhere in Philly. But if, when you watch me, when I s- yell at the DJ, like I'm trying to fucking work something out here. Yeah, he was actually relaying something Patrice said because all the comics came to the side of the stage and were watching it by the end. Yeah, um, and he he yelled out uh, "Invincible." That's what he yelled out. Oh. Which would have been perfect because I would have been like, you know, you, you fucking eagles suck so bad. <laughs> Some guy from a bar gets a tryout on your team. Not only gets a tryout, he makes your fucking team and has an impact, right? <laughs> like I could have gone on forever, but yeah. I didn't like I was so in attacking anything that talked to me. Yeah. And I always felt bad because the DJ and because he kind of pointed over at Patrice which was funny because me and Patrice weren't really talking at that time because we had that big fucking battle on ONA because of that, that fucking idiot radio show. Yeah. And that Philly thing was the first time we were backstage. We actually started like fucking talking again like friends. Cause it was, I, heard it was, that, I heard that live that you and Patrice, you were on the phone, right? Yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's the worst thing about the inter- internet. It was like a three-month fight in our relationship, but it lives on forever. Yeah. And people still ask me about that. And it was just, we were doing this guy's show, and the guy was, he was just, the second I walked into the studio, he was just giving me shit. And I was thinking like, like, I remember I came walking in the studio, and he was, and he was, 
and they'd already given me a water. And uh, so, like, one of the guys working on the show goes, Bill, anything uh, anything else you need or anything? I was like, no, I got a water. I'm good. All I need is uh, some headphones. And he turns around and goes, we'll get you some cans. We'll get you some cans. Who was this guy? Um, don't say it because maybe I might be friends I, with him. I don't want to. <laughs> All you got to do is listen to the thing. You'll hear who the fuck it is. I don't name names, right? So then I was just like, whoa. And he just kind of kept coming at me like that. So I thought it was like, okay, this guy thinks maybe I'm coming in from New York, so I think I'm better than him. Yeah. So I thought like this was some little hazing thing, like, okay, this guy's going to break my balls for a couple of breaks, and once I show that I have a sense of humor about myself, he's going to warm up. He never did. And in the middle of it, Patrice called in, you know, and he accidentally cursed and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm giving him shit for, for cursing or whatever, but I'm doing it more in like that cellar hanging out in front of the cell. Yeah. You big stupid head, head, yeah, you know, this isn't satellite radio, blah, blah, blah. And, but then, man, I'm yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, yes. yeah, I already said it. He, as soon as you said it, I went. Yeah, he, he fucking hung up on him. And I didn't realize he hung up on him. But even then, I was just looking like, who gives a fuck? I didn't yeah. think it was in that big a deal. Um, and the, the episode ended like two, three hours later, the episode ends. And at the end of the episodes, right, my HBO special came out, and the guy was like on the air trashing, like making fun of my special. Like, so what do you got going on? And I was like, well, I got a half hour coming out on HBO. And I just just came out on HBO. And he goes, really? I haven't heard anything about it. Something like that. And Ugh. I was like, well, it's doing real well. And he goes, whatever. And it was one of those things. The second the show ends, he goes, hey, did you have a good time? And it's just like, yeah, man, I had a great time. All right, see you next time. Fucking whatever. What was that? Yeah. And um, and it was after it was after the episode. That's when me and Patrice got in, first got into a fight because I I got off and all it was was a message going, yeah, that guy's a dick, man. Give me a call. So I called him up, and uh, I didn't realize that he was really upset by it. So I came at him in seller mode. Yeah, and I was like, ah, you know what? It, just kind of do this and blah blah blah, and and then. And I go, ah, he hung up on you, jackass, or something. And he was re- like, a lot of people don't know he was really a sensitive guy. So yeah. that's what started off. So then he goes on Opie and Anthony, and then that started the whole, you don't tell me, I taught you to do this. And then my ego goes, what the f- you fucking taught me to trash people? Yeah, fucking met you when I was twenty five. I live in a quarter. Of- and then it just was, and it was literally like you know two fucking pit bulls in a ring. So then we had this ugly fucking. Back and forth. So long story short. So then, then the Opie and Anthony tour starts, and you know, you know, I'm. What, what cities did you do on that? You did. I don't remember. We did. I remember we did Worcester, which was hilarious because we should have done Boston, but Opie and Anthony years earlier had done a hoax on the radio and said that the mayor of Boston had died, <laughs> and they did it so well, evidently, that some people really close to him thought he was dead. And they caused a lot of emotional <laughs> anguish on people. So to this day, it's Mayor Mayor Menino, he's finally leaving. So he was still in office, and he was, and they they got fired. I mean, by the time we came back, it was years later. They were in New York, and they still. I guess you had the, the level of size show that they were doing. Yeah, they needed a license. You needed some sort of something from and the they city of Boston. And so, so it was funny. So like the tour was like all these major cities and, and then like Worcester. Worcester, Massachusetts. But it was cool to play there, the Worcester Centrum, because uh, one of the first comedy shows I went to, I saw Dice Clay there with an unknown Eddie Griffin oh, opening. Who got booed by the crowd? And I was booing booing because I didn't know. Yeah. And I was like, I was thinking like what you think when you're not a comedian, like, oh, Dice is going to love this. Yeah. And why Eddie, would that, why, what is and, that mentality? And, <laughs> Dice will love if we boo his opener. 
because we don't think he's friends with them. We because yeah. we're not in show business. So then, what the funny thing was was Eddie Griffin. Now that I think he didn't leave and told everybody to go fuck themselves, and he kept doing his thing. So maybe that stuck in my head. Yeah. And another time I got booed in Vegas, and I didn't leave, but I didn't. I was just taking it in. Like the first time you get booed, it's, it's a fucking unbelievable. I remember experience. first time I got booed was at the Boston Comedy Club, and Patrice was in the back, and he saw uh, me say a prayer before I went on stage. It was an all black room. Like he saw me uh, do like a prayer, like a like a. I, I still do it sometimes. Oh, Sunday day. night at the Boston. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, Sunday oh, night's yeah. talent. One of my favorite shows I ever did. And so he he saw me do a prayer, and I right. fucking bombed hard. And then I got off, and uh, Patrice is like, if I ever see you fucking pray before you go on stage again, I'm going to fucking rip that chain off your neck. Right. And, I was like, and how great advice was that? I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like it is because I guarantee you someone saw me doing a prayer in the corner, and they're like, fuck this white boy. And yeah. they fucking ate my lunch if I just walked up and Even did it. Even if they didn't see it, it's the fact that you're to the point that you're actually in prayer. I mean, yeah. you're, you're preparing yourself. For failure. I'm going yeah. to war. I'm it, fucking yeah, tell yeah. my dad if I don't come back, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, got, I got a one in a zillion chance. <laughs> I got a one in a zillion And that's, that's what you're going. Uh, I used to love doing. Sunday Night at the Boston was my favorite um, club it, show I ever did. It was a fun. It was like I did it a, I did it a couple times. And I think it was basically because I, I barked there. And uh-huh. then so they knew me from. They put me up. I, I want to say. I want to say twice. But it was probably just one. That one time. I did you ever do well day. or no? No. Oh, no, no. I ended up doing good. Um Dude, that room, it's like you walked out of there. Oh, no, I ended up doing good in uh, at uh, Mo' Better Mondays in L.A. Mo I did Mo- with well, that's a the D-Ray. Problem. D-Ray was hosting. That's a rough, like, I don't know, maybe because it's Monday, they're coming out of work, and they got four no more idea. days. It's just like. I open with a Duran Duran joke. Oh, there you go. Well, you know, I like that you did that. <laughs> you, you kept it real. <laughs> it, was, I, it, was, it, was about, it was about Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. I go, what is this, a Duran Duran reunion concert or something? And it's fucking silence. I go, you guys probably don't know who Duran Duran is. And then, like, that might have got a laugh. And then that got like a chuckle. And I went, it's like, uh, imagine DeBarge, but if there were four of them and they were white. And they, they kind of got that. And then I okay. went, and then I started, and then I just acknowledged the fact that, uh, that there was. You acknowledged I got, the situation. Yeah. The, no, wait, I want, I'm dying to know what is like that, you know, that fucking, like, so. And I know this is I hate to fucking ask you this question, but like walk can you walk me through that Philly that Philly set? Because that's one of my favorite things to tell people that don't know. Like I told Travel Channel about you, like we were having dinner. Right. And um Al had said you had had You have idea. dinner with Travel Channel? I'm having what what does with... Travel Channel look like? Uh, white? No <laughs> tall. I thought like, like you just Asian, said it like like it was uh, a name. We're hanging out with Channel tonight. No, Michael Channel? No, Travel Channel. It's like his it's younger like all brother. The, all the execs. And they're oh, talking okay. about stand-ups and good stand-ups. And Al, a long time ago, had told me this idea that I guess you and him had had. And I didn't tell them the idea, but I told them about, I told them about your Philly experience. Right. And I was like, it's one of the greatest. It's one of those moments where you get chills. Where you, As a comic, you go, <laughs> it's like, fuck it. So wait, <laughs> just tell, like, tell me what, how, what uh, happened. I've told this story a zillion times. So I've I'll never give, heard it from I'll you. I'm dying. A bridge ver- it. What happened was, it was the Opie and Anthony traveling virus tour, and everybody knew a show like that was coming. You just didn't know when. Yeah. And we and we had done Worcester. We had done someplace in New Jersey, and this was the I think the third stop. And we were we were we were relieved Worcester went well. Yeah. Because at that point, I think we were doing the walkovers, and just you know. 
you forget that there's a lot of great regular people that listen to that show. But like based on the but, based on the, but when the you did, four thousand you run into no but no no but when you because when you did the walkover, it was just these these psychos. It's like do you understand like the level of commitment to a radio <laughs> show? It's like eight in the morning we're walking over. It's like don't you people have to go to work? Like what what do you what do you do? And like I always equated it to like Howard Stern. Like I always listened to Howard Stern and everything, but I would never go to the mall yeah. to see. Gary or one of those guys. I love those guys, but I had shit to do. Yeah. So you were getting like this fringe kind of crazy. So it was and the people who call in and all that stuff. It's like I'm one of those guys. I sit back and I watch the circus. I don't jump in and become a, a part of it. So I don't paint my face for the game. Yeah. So exactly. So th- we were seeing perfect analogy. We were seeing the face painters, right? <laughs> the face painters so, who have painted their baby also. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. So. When we went to go do Worcester, like, it was just a great show. And they listened, and they loved comedy, and it was like this pleasant surprise. Because in the back of our heads, we're thinking, you know, well, at least the people calling, hey, shit, dick, go fuck yourself. The people call in. So then we go to do Jersey. Dude, Jersey was, like, one of the greatest fucking gigs we ever had. It was amazing. They were just, like, it was a perfect summer day. Yeah. Everybody was listening. Everybody killed. Everybody had a great show. It was like, holy shit. And right as I started to relax, and I'm thinking like, okay. This is going to be perfect. This is going to be a great tour, and I'm hanging with my friends, and Opie and Anthony are here, and fucking, this is just, this is the greatest, this is one of these tours I'm going to remember. I remember hearing about the tour and going, fuck, man, that is something I wish I had been a part of, because it was like, just seemed like fun. Yeah. And this is, and this is pre- everything that is social media today so it's like it's like maybe you'd catch wind of it on myspace or something well but youtube like, youtube exists youtube existed it, but it, it but it wasn't exist. like it was i maybe i didn't know how to run the internet the way i do now so i couldn't get all that i needed to know about it right so i just knew about all the it was the early days chocolate yeah. rain days of yeah. youtube very <laughs> yeah. early um so then we, we our next one the philly gig was actually in camden at this place called the Tweeter Center. It was like an amphitheater. So I, it sat like 10,000 people. So we pull into the venue, and there's literally people in fucking Eagles jerseys throwing footballs like they're tailgating. And I rode down with Bobby Kelly, and we immediately we were like, uh-oh. It just, just – <laughs> and there was this – fucking pay money to be in that car. There was just this creeping feeling of that you will, you will just – that this was gonna, I you just, I don't know, I don't, you just, you just, I still can picture this guy throwing the ball, like when I, when I, I have like, you know, it's, you know, you can't remember everything. I just remember driving in, and Bobby was driving, and I remember we drove down and saw some people with a Wow sticker on the back of their car, and he goes, "Let's freak them out, right?" Where the Wow stickers are, the Whip It Out Wednesdays, yeah. the promo there. So we beeped the horn. And we fucking just stick our heads out, you know, at the whatever. And they were they looking at us like, what the fuck's? And then they kind of recognize us, and then they freak yeah. out, and we laughed, drove away. So we had a great time coming down, and we're laughing and joking around, thinking everything's gonna be great. So, anyways, kind of had a backtrack. We pull in, and it looks like the Eagles are playing the Cowboys or something. Yeah, and we're like, this is a fucking comedy show. Are they having like a uh, a, a preseason game here next? Like, what's going on? So we got in there and. Um, Yada, yada, yada. It's still broad daylight because it's summer. It's outside. And the place holds 10,000 people and maybe like, I don't know, 35, 40% are in there. 
maybe 20% are sitting down. The rest are walking around trying to find their seat. And Voss goes out and brings up the first act, who I'm not going to name his name because he got boo- He went out there. He was from Philly, had all his family there and all that type of stuff. And it's not Dom Irera, if everybody keeps guessing that one. It was broad daylight. He goes out there and just does his act. And within, I don't know how many minutes, <laughs> he starts getting booed. And, dude, everybody backstage is just going like, oh, God, in their own way going, it's, yeah. it, it's going to be one of these. Yeah. right? And I'm looking at the list. How far down the list am I? <laughs> this is how it's starting. So he goes out there and, like, by the end of his act, it was this core group of people that started booing him. And then it got a little bit bigger. So there was probably, like, maybe like a thousand people just chanting, asshole, <laughs> asshole. And this guy was so dear in the headlights, he just ends his act with, like, as they're chanting asshole, he just goes, thanks a lot. You guys have been great. Good night. Right? <laughs> and gets off stage. Had an absolutely stunned look on his face. And I went up to him to try to console him, and I was kind of doing that, dude, dude, while kind of laughing because yeah. he had this stun, like, what the fuck was that? So then Voss goes out. Voss goes out, and he starts doing time. And you got to understand, Voss is doing time in front of a, a crowd that's sort of going in. I don't know why we started it. Maybe it was one of those things you had to be out of the venue by a certain amount of time. Yeah. These people were getting fucked up and they were still throwing footballs around and we're walking <laughs> into the stadium and Voss starts trying to do his shit, which was impossible, dude. Yeah. It was like this bright sun. It was ridiculous. So they start turning on him and he and he goes, hey, he goes, you know, watch your mouths or I'll bring so-and-so back. And he, oh, yeah. and he shit on the first guy. And to me, he just turned the keys over to the crowd where they do the Caesar thumbs up, thumbs down, <laughs> which, is, which is the vibe Voss likes and the vibe I don't like, right? <laughs> so, dude, the, 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 line, the, the lineup was insane. Like, it, Tracy Morgan, Patrice O'Neill, Ralphie May, I think Bob Saget, Robert Kelly, Dom Irera, myself, Opie and Anthony, and Jim Norton closing. Yeah. So, people, I don't know. Like, what's his? I, mean, I I knew something was fucked up when Tracy Morgan went out, and he was supposed to do fifteen to twenty, and he pulled up at about seven minutes fifty seconds in the middle of a bit, just stopped and went, "Thank you, good night, God bless," and just put the thing down. And you know that deal, dude. You do those uptown rooms, yeah. They boo in those, and you go into the black rooms enough, you can feel a boo coming, yeah. And he was just looking around. It's just, like he saw the he saw the the ocean go out, and he went, "Oh, there's a tsunami coming, guys!" Smartest fucking dude of the night. He he looked at this bunch of crazy drunk white people. They're not gonna remember if I did seven minutes or seventeen. <laughs> yeah. God bless. I'm out. Put down the mic and fucking walked off. And then uh, Ralphie did his thing. Patrice did his thing. Bob said, "I think Patrice closed out the first half." And then they had a break. And at this point, now the sun's gone down. And now it starts to look like the apocalypse now, like bridge scene that you see on the, on the YouTube video. <laughs> and um, what happened? They showed a video in the middle. Their video in the middle during the intermission was some guy had an ear infection. And somehow he dribbled some of the stuff out of it. And then another listener drank it. And then somebody watched who was watching it threw up in a barrel. So that was the uh, let's all go to the lobby moment (laughs) of that show. So then the second half started. Bobby went out. Bobby went out and killed. 
had a great because one of the big myths is that everyone was bombing. They weren't. Patrice killed. Ralphie killed. Uh, uh, Tracy went on early. Tracy, the sun was going down. So yeah. he he was the smartest guy. He was doing fine, but it was starting to be like all right already, like that. You just the, there's no way to the, you had people sitting on grass. There was lawn seats. Yeah. In broad daylight watching stand-up comedy, and you're this fucking big, and then there's a big... And they're hammered. It was an impossible situation. So Bobby came out to start the second half, and he killed. And then Dom went out, and Dom fucking A-level material, standing there delivering it, and uh, about three-quarters through his set, the boo birds started coming back. Now, nobody is booed since the first guy. So let's end that whole myth. And the first guy went on around 7. This is now around 9.45 at night, which is always great. You know, let's do a three, three and a half hour comedy show (laughs) outside Outside. of a drunk people. What could go wrong? During the change of day to night. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So Dom, about three quarters through his set, they started. The Boo Bird started. And he just stood there like eloquently. And he he just said, you know, he goes, I'm not leaving. He goes, what? Why would you think I would ever leave? And it was just almost like philosophical, and they were kind of like, oh yeah, what uh, what what were we thinking? And they kind of <laughs> they kind of stopped. And then uh, and then he ended the set. And he ended it on a good note. Um, and at that point, I was I was annoyed. I was just annoyed because I was sitting there going like, this is one of the greatest comedy lineups. That I've been as far as up and coming guys that I've been around, yeah. And these fucking people are are treating everybody like shit, and you know, and I'm a defensive, fucking angry dude anyway. So it was just kind of the perfect storm. So I walked out there not even nervous. I was like, these guys don't even deserve a show. Fuck this. What the fuck am I even doing on this tour? So basically, I did the reverse of you praying. <laughs> I went the completely other way. I walked in there like I was walking into like fucking Vons to go buy a fucking chicken breast or something. You know, like uh, I had no nervousness. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they introduced me and the fucking whatever curtain or whatever I walked out from behind. I looked out and I just I was like, oh, my God. So I was like, fuck, what joke am I going to do? So I, I did the first one. and It wasn't working. So I bailed on it. And then I did this next joke, which I didn't realize they were playing as the radio promo, so everyone had already heard it. I don't know what, dude. I didn't want to do the show at that point. So really, them booing to the level that they did was my fault. Like, I wasn't wasn't a professional. What I should have done was I should have kept my head in the game to survive it. So I came out and threw gas on a fire that was already going, (laughs) and I pulled up halfway through the second that second bit and I said something like oh what you guys aren't going to laugh at that and then it was just this thunderous boo and I basically I just snapped because I didn't want to be there I just kept thinking the whole time backstage going I didn't have to be here Yeah, I could have been in a place in front of 150 people that wanted to hear my jokes I would have made 10% of what I'm making tonight and I would have been happy Yeah, I don't fucking need I've done this. I've been humiliated. I've had enough shit thrown at me. I'm 15 years into my fucking career. Whatever. What was it? 06? 14 years into my goddamn career. Okay? I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> okay? God. So I, that was the vibe that I came out with, which was a fucking stupid vibe to come out with. So whatever. So I, they booed me, and I just snapped. Because I remember the time when I got booed. 
another time, I, I didn't leave the stage, but afterwards, I just it just kept gnawing at me the faces of people in the crowd, just thinking like, I let that guy boo me. Yeah. I let that fat guy boo me, and I didn't call him fat. <laughs> yeah. I let that dumb chick. I didn't call her a dumb chick. What the fuck is wrong with me? And I never made a point to say that. Well, the next time that happens, because who yeah. thinks it's going to happen again? Or who thinks it's going to be fucking a hundred times worse? In a fucking stadium. Yeah. So that's basically what happened. And I'm a big sports guy. And that's really what saved me. Because people go, oh, you, you turned the crowd around because um, they respected and blah, blah. No, because what it was, it was in Jersey. So it was close enough to D.C. It was close enough to New York. And it was, and it was in Jersey and Philly. So what you had was fans of... The New York Giants, the New York Yankees, the fucking New Jersey Devils, the Washington Capitals, the Washington Redskins, and all of them oh, are in yeah. the same division. And and you're and making they fun fucking of... hate the Eagles. They fucking hate the Flyers. They fucking hate the Phil- Mets fans. Hate the Phillies. Yeah. Giants. Uh, Redskins oh, fans that's, hate I, the that's Eagles. So, so that's interesting. So that's what it is. So I started shitting on their teams, and I know my stuff when it comes to that stuff and I just so happened that I was also in a city where they were having this championship drought so it just became it that's what it became it's I, I can't remember what I started I think I just started just saying mean shit about their moms and wishing AIDS on them and everything but then once I got into the sports <laughs> thing that's that's when it 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 took off um, like all that fuck the Liberty Bell and shit. I was just, just anything I could think of yeah. Philly at that point. But when I, I was doing the sports thing, and I've never watched it. I've seen clips, but I never really watched it. But like it was the sports thing that that really that dragged. I mean, there might have been. The, the, and, and, the mo- and if there was people from like fucking, you know, Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh Flyers is one of the biggest rivalries ever. And when I made yeah. fun of their slacks that they wore. Yeah, you know, well, the, one of the they f- called the, them a bunch of faggots back when you didn't get in trouble for saying <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, you know, and there was nothing homophobic about it. <laughs> it was just like that's why I love that Louis C.K. joke when he talked about the word faggot. Like I never associated that with homophobia. I just, I just to me that just meant you were a douchebag and I couldn't count on you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, and it still kills me to this day that I forgot to bring up the seventy sixers. Really, I forgot to bring up the Seventy Sixers, and I already and, and I instantly knew I was going to say something along the lines that the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, all you have is Allen Iverson, and the the rest of the team is just like this crowd, a bunch of nobodies going fucking nowhere, or just something along <laughs> yeah. those lines. I mean, it was all the same thing. The the, the well, the the fucking hammering, the thing that. You know the thing that is that was like the hammering home, like you, like one of the best stand up. Uh, like five ten minute sets I've ever seen. Have you ever seen Bernie Mac when he came out and oh, and I'm not a, you know I, I'm not yeah, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. Sc- yeah, hit that and then boom 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 boom. Yeah, I ain't scared of you, you motherfuckers. You don't scare me. Yeah. You, Patrice told me about that. What? Patrice told me was told me that was like but to this, watch that. Well, no, he just told me about it for years because we came up in the '90s before like you know the internet was just a bunch of computer nerds. I don't know playing ping pong. I don't know what the fuck it was at that point. Yeah, and sports lines. But but you you couldn't. Uh, there was no YouTube was still ten years away. So he told me about that and was basically saying the same kind of thing that a bunch of guys were getting booed off stage. And Hamburger Jones was the one before him, I think. 
Is that his last name? Hamburger Jones. Hamburger. Hamburger. Yeah. So uh, he told me that he came out and was like, you don't scare me, New York. I'm not afraid of you and all that type of stuff. And so that's the thing, like... But, but, that, that, but that's why, like, I get undue credit for the Philly thing. It's just like the Philly thing happened right when YouTube happened. So, so there was somebody there to document it where, like, Bernie Mac, rest his soul, had already done it. No, 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 no. It's it's the thing that I pulled out from both of them was you, you had the you had the I ain't scared of you motherfuckers in that. Fucking seven minutes. Seven, when you did that, that's the part where you get chills. Cause you go, like, at one point, you're saying it as in, this is, I got I got ten more minutes, like, oh, fuck. And then at one point, you're like, I got, like, you're almost reveling in the fact that I have seven more minutes to make fun of you. Like, it's, and it's, it's the same. I was never reveling. It might look like I was, but I wasn't. Oh, fuck it, it. I, I had a fucking headache at the end of it, and I was, uh. Like two days afterwards, I was still I was locked. You ever hear like when they say somebody has uh, uh, his he 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 had a he had a a death grip. Yeah, you know, like I remember hearing this hilarious story. I remember watching this with my mother, and we were laughing our asses off the way this guy <laughs> described this. This fucking these two guys are flying like a Cessna, and they hear this rattle in the back, and it's the fucking door in the back, one of those old school doors that you, you it, like this, you open it and the stairs are also on the door. Remember yeah. those? Yeah. They'd flip down. So he went to go shut it, and the fucking <laughs> thing flew open. <laughs> so the pilot's up there like, oh my God, my friend just got sucked out of the plane. <laughs> and then he's also thinking, he's thinking, how am I going to land this fucking thing? Because the door hangs down lower. I think it hangs down lower than, than the wheels. Yeah. So long story short, he fucking lands the damn thing. And he's wiping tears away. And he fucking gets to the back stairs. And there's his buddy. Feet still in the plane. Head down at the bottom of the stairs. Holding on to the fucking the banister thing. And he's talking to him when the guy's not saying shit, so he had he had to step over him. And the fucking paramedics got there. And they had to talk to him for twenty minutes. They go because he had a death grip. It's just like your body overrides whatever that is that makes your muscles tired. The last grip it had is don't let go, motherfucker. And like he was there for like forty five minutes. My mother, we were crying. They didn't, they didn't tell it as, as colorful as I did. All, this is how funny my family is. All they just said was, yeah, it took us a half hour to uh, get him to let go of the stairs because he had what's known as a death grip. And we just fucking, you just saw the whole thing just oh. roaring. You saw the pilot standing there like, oh. Jerry, Jerry, it's okay now. Jerry and him just fucking still mentally at 30,000 feet or whatever. I guess you couldn't be that high. You wouldn't be able to breathe, but... So, um, so, anyways, I had like mental oh. <laughs> version. Like I was walking around New York and I was looking at people and just thinking insults. And I, I'm not joking. It took me like it was mentally traumatic. Really? It was not funny. No, dude, I had a headache. I had a headache afterward. I had an anxiety where I was just like. Because some of the other parts of the tour it ended up on YouTube, and I was sitting there going like, "Oh my god, are people?" gonna be like laughing at me and going you got booed because all i'm thinking was i got booed yeah and it's gonna be embarrassing and then you know that's but by then like myspace 
had like that was the beginning where all of a sudden like people could just be in your living room. Where yep. like before then, like if something like that happened, the only people who saw it were the people who were there, and maybe they called in the local radio station, and uh, you know, and and you know, some of your buddies who from high school if they lived in the city, dude, I heard you got booed, but that whole fucking thing. Then was just like it was filmed. Everybody saw it, and then people could find you on MySpace and send you mean shit. Yeah, and um, that's all I was all I was thinking. And then we we did one more show after that one was in uh, was in Cleveland, and my brain was going, "Don't go to this one, don't go to it," because they're yeah. just going to boo you. Because at this point, everybody had talked about it and they loved it. But it was it was already starting to take on a life of its own, where it was way beyond what really happened. I mean, it was a simple formula. You, I just attacked what they loved. It was simple. I started with their mothers, their girlfriends, their bodies, you know. Yeah. And then their sports team. And then when I was running out of shit, I said dumb stuff. You know, fuck the Liberty Bell. What does that mean? That's that's just like ridiculous. Yeah. Um. I remember Molly from the Punchline said her favorite line was and and. I've never seen it, but it actually made me laugh. And I don't remember saying it was saying the the base of the mic stand that I wanted to frisbee it into the crowd. And I said, I hope I hit a baby. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. That was before. That was before you could say something like now you say something like that or you like toss it makes a statement and it goes someone writes a blog about it. And you're like, motherfucker. And that was the dumbest. And and that's another thing too. those those controversies, air quote controversies in comedy clubs. It's like if you tell a joke in a comedy club and 300 people laugh and one person doesn't, but they blogged about it, yeah. there's no controversy. It's lazy reporting. The amount of times that they've done that and they'll show the clip in the club and you hear the whole crowd laugh. Yeah. And they try to turn it into like that, that Kramer thing that happened. Um, and, you know, you know, like there's that new thing where there's people like – you know, they keep talking about these rape jokes. Like, when was the last time you heard a rape joke? Like, they make it seem like you go into a comedy yeah. club and somebody's up there, oh, what's, what's the deal with rape, you know? <laughs> Why? Isn't it legal? You know? Like, <laughs> I wanted to fuck her. Yeah, but she wouldn't let me. It's like, <laughs> where are you hearing all these fucking jokes? And, like, it's such a dangerous... It's, it's, a, it's the great thing that it gives everybody a voice and you can overthrow, like, a fucking oppressive government, evidently. But then the other thing is, is, it, is it gives you a voice before maybe... You you have all the information you need because, you know, like you have to allow like seven to eight years in as a comedian. It's like you're trying to find your voice. Yeah. And everybody goes through that. Oh, I'm going to uh, am I the next Bill Hicks? Let me yeah. let me put on a leather jacket and try to do the edgy thing. It's like you're you're you start taking subjects off the table. It's like you're getting in the way of somebody like st- stand up comedy is not owned by anybody. Yeah, it's 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 an art form, and it's in, and I was allowed to you know walk into the tool shed and use any tool I wanted, and to to sit there and start taking some away. And another thing too is like what people, not enough people understand is that you know, as I'm listening to you talk and you listen to you talk, we're not hearing a hundred percent what each person has said. It's like. It's you. You say something, and then it goes into my brain and my life experience. So it's like I give you a kilo of me, and it's immediately cut with Bert. Yeah. And oh, and, that's it's stepped yeah. on pretty heavily. Yeah, it's stepped <laughs> on. So it's just like, and that, and that's why. Well, you heard me quote your joke that made me laugh. That I said, I go, oh yeah, I told that my buddy Zane that joke, and right. then 
as you went, well, I heard, saw you correct me, and you go, it's actually right. a seminar. And I went, oh, that's so funny. The way I remember it, you were like, yeah. I, like, I just, it's, it's stepped on. It's a way, like, I, I could tell a story that, like, uh, that happened to me and my wife, and then my wife hears it and goes, that's not how it happened at all. And you're like, oh, no. my God. And then by, by the end of it, it's like, you be, no, we were on vacation. No, we weren't. We were in yeah. the garage. And, like, I, I'm telling you, and, 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 like, you're, you're, you know what, you know what those people who are doing that are doing that? It's like if you're a stand-up comic and you're doing it, it's like it'd be like playing guitar for seven or eight years and then telling every guitar player up to the level of Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, and those guys what chord they shouldn't use anymore. Yeah. And it's like um, I don't think it's deliberately arrogant. I just think it's a part of being seven, six, seven, eight years in and, uh, you know, you're, you're – you just have the ability to just fucking put your opinion out there, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm not mad at anybody saying that that type of thing, but, like, you know, the journalism is so fucking lazy now that that's the kind of thing that, that picks up steam, and that's that's like a a snowball effect. And, 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 you know, like, look, when you go on stage and you do a joke about a fat person, who gets offended? Fat people. Fat people. Yeah. Right? But five seconds ago, they're laughing at the rescue dog, uh, dog bit. Yeah, but the person who works at a fucking rescue, they're mad. Yeah, so it's because it, and it's just like, how come the fat guy laughed at the 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 pita shit, and how come the pita person laughed at the how come the pita person never gets fucking offended at the fat shit, and the fat guy never, you know what I'm saying? It's just like because it's my words getting cut with your life experience, and if it's something that's really traumatic or close to your heart, all of a sudden you don't hear a joke anymore. You uh, somehow you saw me telling jokes for a half an hour, and then all of a sudden, no, that's a statement because now you're mentally on the playground in 1978. You're not even hearing me, and yeah. then you sit down and write a fucking blog, and you start saying this is what he said and this is what he meant. You don't know what the fuck I said. Yeah, this is what was said to me, and and here's my fucking life experience, and now I'm throwing it up on a page. That's what you're doing. You know, uh, yeah, and I and I, I I'm off and, my soapbox now. No, no, no. I <laughs> I feel that way exactly. I I went through. I went through. Thankfully, when no one could. Well, I was at the time, and I think it also happens like at the time where you're trying to find your voice and you're trying to be Bill Hicks, and I was trying to be edgy, and all I talked about and, was race. Like all, that. Right. I mean, that was like that was what because I thought that was dangerous at the time. Yeah. I was doing it. Not a lot of white dudes were like talking as honestly as I was trying to talk, and um. And and it was never mean, but I definitely got in trouble a few times where it was like you got yourself into situations, and that's yeah. learning to be a comic. You, you you start to see where the line is. How do I get out of situations? Yeah. What am I trying to say? Is this me? Is this what I'm doing? And it's like, uh, you know, you learn an instrument. Don't play country music. Yeah. Don't play. Don't, fuck that whole that whole thing. <laughs> you yeah. Know, it's, just, it's it's the it's interesting too because I think now I've, I'm finally. Now I, I think I'm a lot more comfortable with who I am as a comic, but I, I don't know. Like, I don't well, that's know. that's all finding you. This, finding your voice to me is 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 this. Like, you're sitting. Uh, the first time you get called up, right? Other than your nervousness, let's yeah. say you're sitting there waiting to do your first show. When you're sitting there and you're talking to somebody, you're you, and you have your voice. What fucks you up is the first time you go on stage is like an outer, outer body experience because you're literally like, I can't believe I am on a stage right now. Yeah. At least this was for me. Once again, cut with my experience here. 
and I'm holding. How do I do this? How do I get the mic out of the mic stand and all this type of stuff? So you, you start moving, you start implementing things you've seen other people do. Like put, I remember, I saw Geraldo. I'll never forget this. Right. I saw Geraldo take the mic out of the mic stand and put his arm on the mic, hand on the mic stand, like outstretched, like like uh, uh-huh. like. I remember so, I used to do that. Yeah, yeah. And he'd put his hand on the mic stand and like stick his arm outstretched. And I remember the first time I did that, I went, I bet this looks real to these people. Like thinking, yeah. Like this, I bet they think I'm better now. Because but I'm, this is the thing, when. You're off stage. You're not going like I'm going to sit down in the chair like I just saw that other person here in Starbucks sit down in the chair. So you <laughs> right. you stop like you you don't even move how you move. You you walk differently because you're so aware that everybody's paying attention. So all you all finding your voice is is just being as comfortable as you are when you're sitting in the back. Well, you did shooting the shit. You did. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and then you can correct me. But like you did. A 180 at one point. I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to say this is obviously cut 100% with me. I remember the night. When did you come to New York? I started in like. 90s? Uh, late 90s? 90s. One of my 26th birthday. So uh, I'm 40 now. So 14 years ago. 14 years you ago. Had you had math in there. Was that 99? 99, 98. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, I, that I started was, hanging that out. Was the, that was the heyday, man. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you two things. Two people that were nice to me, because I got a deal my, like six months in. I remember that. Were you and Geraldo. you shit in a box. You came up to me, and you were like, you were like, uh, you need to tell Esty that you got a deal. You need to tell the... A lot of times, these clubs don't know that you're a working actor, that you can... that you're Right. But it means a lot to them, so you need to let that know. And don't don't tell anyone anything. Everyone's going to shit on you. It's It happens. Geraldo said the exact same thing. Oh, Geraldo yeah. was like... Don't look. Everyone's going to shit on you. It comes with the territory. Don't worry about it. You two are the only two. Other person that was left at impact was Patrice, who was like, oh, yeah. "How much money did you get?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." I was like, "I don't, I don't think I can talk about that." <laughs> he used he to goes, call me up. Yeah. He goes, "They gave this motherfucker yeah. <laughs> X amount of dollars because the N word shit in a box." <laughs> <laughs> So, for those of you, I'm, do all your listeners know that story that you, you get the? You, yeah, yeah. I yeah, no, they sh- don't. No, they shit, don't. Shit in a pizza I box. I shit on a pizza box to win an election, and it was written up in Rolling Stone magazine as the it's, it's, it's the hardest partying guy. Yeah. So your manager at the time somehow spins. This is why I love entertainment. Come on, yeah. man. He's shit in a box. <laughs> That's the show right there. And somehow you have a deal to have your own sitcom because he's shit in a box. In a box. Patrice got out how much money I was earning. He goes, how much? I know you know the number. Tell me the number. And I said, I, it's not. He goes, six figures? I go, I go, yeah. And he goes, big six figures? I said, no. And he goes, if you spent a dollar, would it become five figures? And I went, yeah. And he goes, they gave you $100,000. <laughs> and I remember, fucking never forget Barry Katz. like, why would you tell Patrice of all people? Dude, that guy. That fucking guy, man! I swear to God, if if he wasn't Patrice and was just Patrice, oh. he would have got ten million in deals. There was nothing funny <laughs> when the industry would come up to him. The shit he would say to them. Oh, um, I, I remember don't... him arguing with Todd Berry about who would do Letterman first, and and his argument was, "You may be able to get on there with stand up, but I'm going to panel before you." And, and Todd, I think he did. He did, and he I remember did. Todd Berry. Thinking that was the funniest statement that Patrice thought he would panel before him, and and Patrice broke it down. Why would you ever panel? Why would you ever? No one <laughs> wants to see you be you. They want to see you on stage. They want to see me be Patrice. They want to see me be me. I'll never forget him <laughs> dissecting and and what Todd thought was a ridiculous statement. All of a sudden, made a hundred percent sense, and he was like, "I watched his face fall." 
And I was like, holy shit, Patrice is totally going to panel before Todd. Patrice's logic is accurate. Balls on oh, yeah, fucking no, accurate. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. And that was, how many people's face, faces did you see him make fall? Oh, me. He did it to me a number of times. Oh, I remember dude, right. I, I used to go down to the cellar and I used to fucking get six insults ready just to kind of, it was like I was spray of machine gun fire so I could get to the fucking table. Yeah. Without, without him trashing me, but it was just... So wait, so wait, let's go back to this. So like, I remember this night. I'll never forget this. <clears throat> David Tochterman was in town. I had just moved to LA. I'd been in LA, LA seven months. Right. I had, oh, maybe this is a little longer than this. No, no. Uh, it wasn't David Tochterman. It was Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen was in town. I'd been in LA seven months. I had started doing stand-up at Boston. I had, maybe had been mo now like... A year, two years since I was maybe I was twenty eight or twenty seven, twenty eight years old. Right, and uh, I came down to the Boston on a Friday night to do a set. And before that, your your stand up was real clean. It was real like uh, it was real like you d- did some jokes on infomercials, but it was like it was like real like um, it was it was that it was, was the real- second stage of me becoming dirtier. Because I was squeaky, squeaky clean, like yeah. nothing. But by the time you saw me, I did drop F-bombs, but I just had a way of and not then, and then this making night, it seem like it was. It was Saturday night. I'll never forget this. Uh, Barry had just stopped working with you, I think. And you went up and you fucking did the metamorphosis of what is now what people know as your stand-up. I remember you were talking about women's rights. And I was like, which I, I had never heard anyone talk about on stage. And you were talking about if I want to say the joke was the Titanic one. Something, yeah. If you want equal rights, then we get in the boat with you or whatever it was. And I remember being in the back in that way back corner by the bar, going like, "Holy fucking shit!" I pulled you over twice that night. I was like, "Dude, whatever you're fucking doing, this is." I remember saying this <laughs> like three times, and then saying to Barry like. Like, God damn it, man. This that's that's what I want to be doing. And you had said, I think you had said you had been in LA and you moved back to New York or you had or you had started really focusing on stand up and really like immersing yourself in stand up and you were like, Man, I will never forget that night. Because I remember I think I ended up shirtless at the end of the night in the back corner talking to some young comic. How did we never you know, I didn't drink it's weird, I didn't drink that <clears throat> much because you know, I was hanging out with like Patrice when I hung out with Dane, because I think Dane was in LA by the he was in LA, but yeah. like Dane never drank, so like I didn't drink much. It wasn't until I, was, I met Joe DeRosa, that son of a bitch. <laughs> I was a big drinker, man. I used to party. I used to party with all the black comics because they all partied. And so I used to like Donnell, Tony Woods. Anyone, don't name names, man. Come Don, on, don't get people in trouble. Donnell's to this day. I, we did some show for Comedy Central, and it was like I was like, man, if I if like like I remember Donnell's like got that Patrice in him too, where Kyle Cease walked up. We were doing this show, and Kyle Cease had a show that said uh, it was. You got kicked off every week, and every week Kyle Cease had a new hat. He was going to wear a new hat for the show, and the first one said "Week One," and he sits down, tries to sit down in the corner with Donnell and Red Grant and and me. And Donnell goes, "Man, get you with your fucking your hat, son. Get you you you're right. You are the Week One." And, and <laughs> Kyle goes, "I think it's spelt differently." And he goes, "Not my neighborhood. You weak son. You just say you just get a hat that says weak. Get the fuck out of here!" And fucking <laughs> annihilated him. <clears throat> but I remember watching that, and then you did that thirty-minute HBO, like you, Louis, Patrice, and Earthquake, uh, Jim Norton, Jim Norton. I think that's it. Uh, nope, Kevin Brennan. Oh, really? Um. Uh, Rattling my brain here. That was the that was the next. <clears throat> that was when it was like, I was like, oh shit, everyone's fucking writing. 
That was also the fucking craze of writing and stand up. All of a sudden, everyone started fucking writing like crazy. That, and that was, I remember talking to Louis right before he did his half hour. I went down there to say what's up because I wanted to watch because I've always been a huge fan of his. And this is right before he went on that tear. It was before Lucky Louis, before he, he was about ready to rip off. Like, I mean, how many hour specials has the guy done? Like five? Probably as many as you. You do, you do a fucking dip one, no, one every 18 no, months. No, 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 <clears throat> no, no. Louis does one every fucking year. I, I literally. Do, I do mine every two years, which is a, a, you know, dude, you're talking twice as long. Okay, if you're going to jail, would you rather go for one year or two? You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. Um, and I remember saying to him, uh, I go, hey, you got any advice? And he said, yeah. He goes, enjoy it. He goes, because I remember I did one in uh, the mid-90s, and I was just like, well, I'll do one of these every couple of years. This will be great. And HBO, for whatever reason, just kind of, just I think the Sopranos and that type they just started doing more content like that and they just kind of abandoned stand up stand up which I think was really a terrible mistake on their part because the amount of comedians that they broke um and to me I don't know it was just it was like they, that was one stand up comedy HBO special was one I'm so they, glad they kinda, I, I I got to do one so yeah, you're right stand up comedy and HBO was like that was where you went to find stand-up comedy specials. Yeah, it would be like if uh, I don't know if you were if you were a fucking rock star, whatever place you wanted to perform or or whatever, um, whatever venue, they were iconic. So, anyways, um, he said that, and I remember like going, "Oh, wow, okay." And I, I kind of took that to heart, and then watching him, then all of a sudden, I mean, I don't even think it was a year later, he put out like his first hour. And I was like, wow, man. Wow. Yeah. Because Louis up to that point was, you know, he wrote, but he didn't write anywhere near that level. And and he was doing all this, like, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And I used to always think, like, why is that guy, that guy's a, a star, man. Why is he, you know, writing on the Chris Rock show or Letterman? Why is he filming these things, man? This guy is, like, a, a, like this guy is the guy. Yeah. And then now you look at him now and it's like he's doing everything on his own show. All those skills that he learned, I was like, oh, fuck. fuck yes. He can write, he can film, he can I would edit. love to be able to have that fucking grab bag of talent that he's got. I've said so many inappropriate, borderline offensive things to Louis meant as a compliment uh-huh. so many fucking times. Right. Like, oh, like I remember one time he had just gotten done with something. I was done. Oh, he had been doing pilots and one pilot didn't get picked up and I ran into him. At mm-hmm. the at the uh, improv, and I was like, I go, uh, what you working on now? He goes, nothing. And I go, why? And he goes, because I'm not. And I said, but are you serious? I was like, dude, you should be doing something. Like, 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 almost like I was his mom. Yeah. Like, why don't you? You do should do a movie. Yeah, do you movie. should do a movie. But right. I saw him that way. Like to me, he was that guy that could make something happen, create something out of nothing. Like, could, right. And I was like, I remember being kind of dumbstruck. And then he was like, I'm just doing a set here, like you are tonight. Like and I was like, oh, oh! I worked with him one weekend, right? Like right when I had Georgia, probably eight years ago, right before you guys did that. <clears throat> probably right before you guys did the half hour, and he was changing his. He was cha- in the metamorphosis of not being the goofy tent. I don't know why I say tent pole, but like I feel like he, like a. I think because his half hour special for Comedy Central had a tent behind it, a circus tent. But like not like the goof- no they didn't they didn't do stuff like that they had yeah. the same background didn't no, they? no 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 it's Comedy Central one Comedy Central oh yeah his oh, half hour Comedy Central special had like a circus tent behind it because it was like goofy and like right right you know like but and then he was morphing into like talking about his kids I remember watching and he had a rough he had a rough week 
at the West Palm Improv. He was filling in for Pablo because Pablo broke his leg. <clears throat> so, uh, so wait, what? Um, when are you doing your next special? Not until next year. Oh, this nice. Is the, uh... Do you really fucking scrap the material? Like when you go and like so when you go to write this yeah, year, it's, it, people make such a big deal out of that. It is. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's just like I think it's it's a, for a guy who has a style storyteller style. It's not a big deal. Those joke writer guys, those joke writer guys. It's like when when you know, which I don't. I can't do. I can't write jokes. I don't know how to write jokes. Really, um, I tell stories that yeah. are funny. It's way different. But like those guys, like um, like like a Mitch Hedberg, a Stephen Wright. Those kinds of guys, like the, that's tough. The, like the amount of material that they have to remember is, um, it's just like astounding. Like, um, you know, and I, I view both of those guys like they how how good they are, you know, and how good uh, Mitch was. Like that's an unattainable. Like I don't have that that talent. That's just like I know we're both doing. We're all doing stand up, but that's a whole different. Um, you know, I'm I'm like getting past a torch where those guys are lighting their own. Like they, I I feel like they came up with like their own, just their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the diff. I would say the difference between like a Kobe or a a, a a Michael Jordan, where Kobe can do the things Michael did, but Michael but Michael, Michael did shit I never saw before. Yeah. So it's always you know it's one of those deals like, you know. Who who played behind their 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 head and and, and did all that wah wah stuff until Jimi Hendrix did it? Now there's all these instructional videos on how to do it. And these fucking idiot kids on the internet are going like, "Yeah, he's kind of lame. I don't think he's that yeah. good." And it's like this guy was doing this almost fifty fucking years ago, and he came up with it. And now you guys have all these. That's one thing. Like I am very envious of of kids today. Like I I. I played a little bit of guitar, but I played drums, and just the 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 access to knowledge that you have. Like, dude, back in the day, they'd show you a fucking paradiddle and a couple other things. All right, see you next week. Yeah, and like these kids now, they can they can learn more drum shit in an, in three hours on YouTube than I could in like three years of lessons. And that's not, and and I would even go more so because half the time, it's you can literally watch the guy you're a fan of. And they'll have like multi cameras. They'll show his foot, like his foot technique, and all that. Oh, I used I, to try to figure out how fast, how does John Bonham do those those triplets so quickly? And like, if he was still alive today, like he would make a video, like, okay, mate, here's how I did it, right? Yeah. Just kind of slid up the pedal, however the hell he did it. Um, it's it's the I played the guitar, and and I but this was back when I mean I'm sure people still teach themselves, but you taught yourself how to play the guitar. But you taught yourself yeah. to play the guitar based on listening. <clears throat> Listening, or you'd start with the chord book, you'd learn the chords, and then you'd figure out one, you'd listen to one song, you'd figure out that out, but you had to learn how to listen to a song and play that song. Right. Like, you couldn't go online and right. just find the chords. So I, what I would suggest to people, because everybody always goes, do you have the tabs? Do you yeah. have the tabs? That's, that's like saying, can you read this story to me? And you're never going to become literate. So when I, I, when I was playing guitar before, you know... I got so friggin' busy. What I would do is when I would watch the guy where his hand was and I get the first thing and then I would turn my back and I would listen and I forced myself to to develop uh, an, an 
somewhat of an ear, like a total novice ear. And I just, what I just did was I just started with one string. I'm like, I'm going to figure out that melody on one string because trying to go to yeah. the other ones is, is too difficult. Find it on the, on the, on the E string. Oh, whatever. Yeah, and, then, and, just, and then you'd go, oh, that's where it is. Okay, well, that's a C. We know that's got to be a C. Oh, but what's that Oh, that took sound? me, that took me fucking like a year to figure that out. And oh. then all of a sudden it slowly started to come. But I, I mean, I haven't played in like three months, so I'm probably right Stone back Temple to Temple Pilots. Stone, Stone Temple Pilots was the song where I was like, oh, fuck. How long have you been playing for? I've been playing for a really long time. But I'm we not should like get a- to get some point and never film it, never upload it, because that's just a hobby. Yeah. I get I get pounded for what I do for a living. I don't need to be... Uh- I, I, got, I got... When Stone Temple Pilots came out, it's... Uh, I have my guitar right here. The, this is the chord progression. Look at this, dude. How long is this podcast going? All of a sudden, we're talking. You know, I've always been into fish tanks. <laughs> this is my uh, um, arowana I have over here. Wait. See, wait. <laughs> wait is the classic new guitarist. Oh, no. fuck this. Anyway, the uh, <laughs> good luck, guys. <laughs> you Can you please guitar? do a YouTube video called Wait? Like your new song, and you just, it's just wait. you strumming. Wait. Gonna, wait. You know, when I feel that song, that we, I learned that. I remember fucking sitting there listening to it going, I can pick apart the sound. Fucking took me at least, at least two nights. But listen to it. It's like the baddest song out. I learned it and I couldn't figure out one part. My buddy, John Dacre, who was, I was in a band with. Was like I got it, I got it, and he fucking had it, and we were right. like, "Shut the fuck up!" But we didn't have the internet, and god damn it, if that didn't make me so much better of a guitarist, because not only yep. did I play, I figure out how to play it, but I figured out all the ways around it and all these other different chord options, and then of course I could write anything. And, song and that then probably, like and then probably you weren't playing it exactly how he did, but through, you know, not even making a mistake, yeah. but how these. People on the internet are just like, um, if you watch the live footage, yeah. um, that's not the positioning, and, and it's just like that. She talks to angels. Do you remember that song? She talked. Uh, I just want to hear you sing again. Uh, <laughs> she never mentions the word addiction. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I learned how to play that, but I played it a different way, and then someone else showed me the right way, and I went, "Oh fuck!" I go, "My way sounds pretty badass. I might turn that into my own song." And then I wrote fucking. I was the worst fucking songwriter in the. You know, I was in a band in, in college. I, I, I basically all I did was I just learned guitar so I could play all of Malcolm's parts in ACDC, <laughs> and I probably know how to play like forty songs, and thirty nine of them are ACDC. DC song, so I'm very limited. I just got obsessed with Bob Seger. Oh, you did? Rambling right. Gambling Man. You ever heard that? Yep. Oh, fuck oh dude, I worked in a warehouse. I They had classic hits on forever. Like, some of those songs, I almost get, like, fucking, like, food poisoning if I hear them, because I'm just so, like, I can't <laughs> hear this fucking song again. Like, I had, I had to leave Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, The Doors, all these bands for, like, 10, 15 years, and just forget. Yeah. And then come back and be like, oh, God, these are so great, you know? Oh, when I'm they fucking... remastered them for the nine millionth time. Oh, I just how many times has got... Jim uh, Jimmy Page remastered the Leds? Like, no, 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 this I... this is the clearest you're going to be able. to... It's like the same material. I always get uh, I always get Led Zeppelin and the Who mixed up in my head. Like, not the oh, music, do? but the band, what they look like constantly. Because oh, okay. they both had crazy fucking drummers. They yeah. both had really good looking lead singers, and the guitarists were the fucking blonde, talent. Blonde lead singer, black yeah. haired. I always mix them up. Like like who they were. Right. I just heard this big thing about Keith Moon about how, what a fucking lunatic he was. So wait, oh, yeah. are you? So are you are drinking right now? 
Yeah. But you always go on like big stretches where you don't drink. No, I, I took a year off. And then, that's a big and, fucking stretch. Yeah, that's a big stretch. And My then, longest is, I think, 21 days. And then, no, I just, I, I don't have a problem with it. I enjoy it. And then, like, I put on a little bit of weight, and then I just step away from it. Like, I don't have, like, that, I need it, man. I don't have, like, yeah. that addictive personality. It's called a locked singlet. What is it? It's a locked singlet. Okay. I'll just, I can't debate whether it is or it isn't. It's I'm called gonna... a locked singlet. It's in your brain. We're dealing with it with my daughter. When okay. you get a locked singlet, it means your emotions don't have a place for it. And that's what causes that, that, that fucking, I need it, man. Like, I need something. I need fucking, it's a locked singlet. It's the new word in our house because apparently daddy has a locked singlet. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> my wife just goes, someone's got a locked singlet. It seems no, but you, know, I, you know, I, I, real, I have realized is like I never considered like, you know, food's a drug and that type of thing. And then I'm just looking like everybody is a fucking junkie. Yeah. Like just that salt, sugar, salt, sugar, salt, sugar. There's so many people who are, are cl- so few people who are free and clear of that? Hundred percent. Where, uh, like, you don't even you, you don't even like you can't stop yourself if you fucking eat like a like I don't know a donut or a cupcake. You're like a grizzly bear. You're gonna find some chips yeah. and you're gonna take a big paw and you're gonna shove it in your mouth and and that has no nutritional value. Neither did the cupcake. You're balancing yourself out. It's like you did a bunch of blow and now you need some fucking alcohol to level yourself off. It's the it's it's look it's. The same thing, except it kills you a lot slower, and you can still you can function at work. You're allowed to do it openly. Yeah, at I, work. I do. Uh, you can have I, your cupcakes right on your desk, and nobody has a problem. You don't have to go to the bathroom to eat them. It really does give you a charge. I got that cleanse. I was telling you, I did it, and I didn't realize how often I just went to the fridge. Because when you're doing a, this cleanse, you can you can have a lunch, you can have a snack. I didn't realize how often my body just walks to the fridge. I go, what the fuck am I doing? I can't eat anything in there. Right. Wake up from a nap, and I want Girl Scout cookies. Like I just go, I want the fucking Samoas. And I just, oh yeah. All of a sudden, I eat like fucking. 10. Isn't that the, when, when do they start selling those again? Uh, well, we stock up for a year, but we, they. How just, do you do it? Get your kids in Girl Scouts. <laughs> oh really? Oh, no, I bought. So what, do you, what do you freeze them or fucking something? Fucking garage full of them. We how do you keep them? How do you keep them? Uh... They're like uh, Twinkies. They last forever. I have Samoas right up top there. I fucking wolf you know two what? Samoas before you came over. I'm not going to take nutritional advice from you. I like Twinkies. <laughs> yeah. They last forever. You could have a lab coat on right now. I'm not listening to that shit. I've known you too fucking long. We Listen, dude, I, I have, I have, I know, a, I gotta I have go. a playoff game to watch here. Uh, we got to go out drinking, man. We do. Let me do the cleanse first. No, yeah. dude, I already saw the cigars over there. You're smoking some fucking... Those are some uh, Yeah. Some sick ones there. Anything dude. you want to plug? Oh, Oh, if you ever go to Boston, I have a great cigar bar in the North End that I went to. Really? And a great Italian restaurant. We got to go out drinking in L.A. soon. I'm home for two weeks next next two weeks. Okay. Maybe me and I will go kinda, out for drinks. Kind of, kind of being on the road, but uh, yeah. But when I go out and drink, I, I take I cab it. Oh yeah. Oh, oh Uber. Yeah, yeah. Uber. Yeah, yeah. Big time. All right. All right. Cool. Let, let's uh, let's sign off here. This is my wife. Hey, how are you? Nice this to Bill. meet you. How are you? How you doing? All right. Anything you want to plug? Uh, Dates? No, I think they probably already know where you're going to be. Yeah, just uh, listen to my Monday morning podcast every Monday at uh, BillBurr.com, B-U-R-R. All right. All right. Thanks, Laura. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.